James chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me this morning. I'm excited about preaching today. For those of you who are preachers, you'll know what I'm going to say. You go through seasons when it seems like that you struggle to really get from the Lord what it is that you need to say or want to say. And sometimes the Lord asks you to say some things that you don't want to say. But you have to do it from this position because that's the calling. And there are just seasons of uncertainty where you just kind of struggle through. And I, in a few months, uh, I had that here just recently. But I'm telling you, it just seems like right now I'm in a season where every time I sit down with paper and pen, the, the Lord just begins <laughs> just pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. And, and I'm so thankful this morning for an opportunity Uh, to preach to a group of people that I believe are genuinely hungry to hear the Word of God. I I believe that people in our world today are sick and tired of just religious activity. And I'm going to venture out and say another thing that you may or may not agree with, but I believe people are sick and tired of being entertained as well. I believe what people want in their lives is for preachers and teachers to teach them what they need to know so that they can be successful in life, so that they can move through difficult seasons of life because they're equipped with the Word of God. And so I, I've just kind of committed myself to that this year and say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to try to keep my opinions out of things as much as I can and just give your Word. Because I believe that when His Word goes out, that he will bless that and anoint it in a powerful way. Are you in James chapter 1? Beginning at verse 19, it says, My dearly beloved brothers, understand this. Everyone, say everyone. Everyone. Does that include you? Okay, I just was wondering. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and evil, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man that he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works that person will be blessed in what he does. Thank you for your word, Father. Let this preacher preach the way that I should so that these people who are listening can hear what they need to hear today from your throne. I ask it in Jesus' lovely name, amen and amen. I've got this thing stuck in my spirit right now. That, that's just authentic faith. I, I mean real faith. I, I'm not talking about showboat faith. I, I'm not talking about presumed faith. I'm, I'm talking about authentic, honest to goodness, real life, authentic 
faith and what that looks like. And if you remember last week, we talked about getting through trials and tribulations with our faith. Well, today we're going to take a little different approach because we're not going to talk about trials and tribulations, but we're going to talk about how we respond to the truth, how we respond to what God has declared it to be true. So James chapter 1 verses 19 through 25 gives us three things that we need to consider. Three observations. And the first one is that we have to ask ourselves, how are we approaching God's word and the people around us? How do we approach? Now, for Christmas, I got a a new little puppy. Uh, You know, we'd had a a dog and the the dog passed away and all that. So we waited a little while and, and I got this cute little puppy. His name's Boomer. Actually, his name is Boom Chocolate Baker <clears throat> because he's chocolate colored, but we call him Boomer, and sometimes we call him the Boom. It just, it doesn't really matter, but I, I'm really trying to teach him now to come or to approach, and, and you know, he's a little nervous. He comes to me pretty well now, but there's something about Donna that he's still a little uncertain about, and she, she kind of reaches out her hands and all that, and, and, and he'll kind of flirt with the approach, but he's not real certain about it yet. He'll come in, and to her recliner, her chair there, and he'll put his feet up on the chair, but he won't bring his backside up. So it's like, I mean to keep these back two feet on the floor in case I need to escape. I can relate to that. I've been feeling that for 38 years. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. The, the, the approach, the approach is very important. How we approach something with God makes a lot of difference. Now you say, well, how does that relate to the scripture that we saw today and that we've read? Well, look at verse 19. He begins after transitioning out, transitioning out of this time of, <clears throat> of trials and tribulations and victory and how do, you, how do you make it and how do you walk through it and how is it possible? He says in verse 19, he says, Everyone needs to learn how to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Now, I I just want to let that sink in for a minute. Everyone, he says, needs to learn how to be quick to hear and slow to speak. He talks about coming in humility. He wants us to come with the proper attitude, with the proper approach. We don't come with our defenses up. We don't come with our own ideas. We don't come to the Word and, and to, the, to the Spirit of God and say, Okay, God, I've got this all figured out, and I've got a plan put together, and now if you'll just put your John Henry on there, I'll start getting to work on making sure that this happens. No, you don't come to God with your own ideas about how things ought to be. You don't come to God with your own defenses. You don't come to the Word of God determining what your preconceived idea is about what the Word of God is saying. But isn't it true that we often approach God's Word talking and not listening? Don't we sometimes approach God's Word thinking, here's what I want to say about this. 
Because we're less interested in what God has to say about it and we're more interested in what we think about it. Don't we often come to God's word looking to justify our own actions and attitudes? It, 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 you know, we can get into this book and, and we can start cherry picking scriptures and taking them out of a context and picking them from here and picking them from there and just make up our own little theology and make up our own little idea of what it is that God is trying to explain to us. That's why it's important for us to read scripture in the context in which it is written. Now, I, you know, I know that a lot of you are involved in Facebook. I, I, I go on Facebook, and, and, and we get these little short little inspirational quotes. And, man, I'm telling you, sometimes they just light our fire. Oh, praise God, I receive that as one of my blessings. I, I receive that as one of my promises. I receive that, I receive that, I receive that. But if you do a little study and dive deep into the Word of God, you may be receiving a promise that is connected to something in the Old Testament or into the New Testament that, trust me, you don't want to receive. But you're only cherry-picking something out of Scripture rather than, than allowing the context of the Scripture to bring you the whole message of what it is that God is wanting to say. So oftentimes we approach God's Word and His will with our own ideas. Someone said, we're not quick to hear and slow to speak, but we're loath to listen and anxious to argue. Can I read that again? We're not quick to hear and slow to speak, but we're loath to listen and anxious to argue. How many of you have ever gotten into a good argument with your spouse? Can I see your hands? Some of you are lying right now. Right now, you're in the... Uh, you, you know what I've discovered and what Donna and I have discovered is that when we're getting ready to argue, the approach is very important. I mean, the, the approach is, isn't it, babe? You, you agree with that? The approach is very different because if you come in with both barrels loaded and the only thing you care about is telling what is on your mind... You're not going to approach properly and you're going to get yourself in trouble. But if you find the right time and in the right context, you can sit down and have a discussion and use some wisdom and you're, you're as concerned about your spouse's opinion as you are your own opinion, you can work through almost anything. But if you come with an approach where your defenses are up, then I promise you, you're going to fight. And it ain't going to be pretty. Amen? Amen? So the approach is very important. So what James is saying is, is that uh, we've got to learn how to not resist the Word of God. Now, you're not alone. The good news is, is that it's part of human nature to resist something that will create change in our lives. We resist it. It's always been true. You can go all the way back to the creation experience, and God says you can eat of anything of the garden, but you cannot eat from the tree of life. Well, what do you think they're going to do? They go and eat of the very thing that God has said, don't eat this. <clears throat> because we have this nature in us 
that when it is ruled by sin, it is going to take us places where we don't need to go. And it's going to, inv- it's, it's going to get us involved in circumstances that we don't need to be involved with. And so we have to learn how to approach properly. In the Old Testament, God was constantly telling his people, this is what I expect of you. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. I mean, think about Israel when they're 40 years out in the desert. And the scripture says every time the cloud moves, you've got to move. And every time the fire moves, you've got to move. Don't you just imagine that there were a few Israelites that every now and then said, okay, God, you and I, we're going to talk. I'm sick and tired of moving. I I don't want to move every two or three days. I want to stay put here. There's a nice creek over here. It's a nice shady place. I'm I'm not excited about moving. And so I want you to rethink this, God. But you see, God puts in plan an action that will bring us to the place of blessing in our lives. The optimized blessing that God has for us. And so they did it in the Old Testament. And then when Jesus came, they resisted his words. The things that he said, they resisted. They said, well, who does this guy think he is? He's even said that he's the child of God. He's the son of God. Who does he think that he is? You see, we approach with this preconceived idea of what we think should be when in reality what we should do is come and say, God, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, whatever it feels like, God, if it's your will, that's what I want. Then Paul came preaching in the synagogues and they got so upset with him that the crowds in Lystra stoned him and took him outside of the town thinking that he was dead. Let me tell you something for those you, you young people that are getting ready to go into a preaching ministry. It, it, it ain't all TBN and Daystar, let me tell you. It, 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 it's not as glamorous as some make it appear to be. Sometimes God requires you to speak things that are not happy news for the hearer. Sometimes you have to be honest about what the Word of God says, whether it will sell your next book or not. You have to get into a place where you're not listening to the throngs, but you're listening to the throne. Because that is the only thing that will produce positive change In people's lives. Boy, that was a good word, Pastor. Good job. Then he goes on and he said, don't just be quick to hear and and slow to speak. And then he goes on and he said, rid yourselves of all moral filth and evil. Verse 21. These words, ridding yourself, is the idea of taking off a garment. It's the idea that this thing that is on me, this thing that has attached itself to me, I have to get it off of me. I have to take it off. That's the reason when people come to me and say, well, pastor, I can't change. I've just always been that way. That's the biggest line of baloney that you could ever believe about yourselves. Wouldn't it be much better to come to the word of God that says that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation? That old things pass away and behold, all things become new. 
why don't you just change and bring yourself in alignment with the word of God so that God can bless you and give you the promises that are in alignment with that action. Well, pastor, I just can't do it. I've just always been that way. My mama was that way and my, my daddy was that way and my cousins were that way. Well, thank God because you have the divine nature of Christ living in you. You don't have to be that way because you've got Jesus and his spirit living within you. It means that put aside your sinfulness and, and your selfish ideas. Listen. It hit me this week. Don't we bring so many ideas from the world that the word confronts and counters? The word thinks so much differently than the world. That's the reason I don't care what celebrities have to say. I don't care what people have to say because of their celebrity status. The only thing I really care about is what does God say? What does the word of God say to my life? What is he putting in my spirit? I could call a bunch of names today, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just trying to tell you today, you need to be careful what goes in because it can affect the truth of God's word in your lives. And then he says, receive the implanted word. What does that word implanted means? It means that God just, he just pulls your heart apart. And just sticks his nature and his word inside of you. And it is implanted in your life. It started a long time ago. Jeremiah the prophet in chapter 31, verse 31 through 33 says, Look, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. A covenant that they broke even though I had married them. This is the Lord's declaration. Instead, this new covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. He said, and I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And Ezekiel the prophet said in chapter 36, he said, For I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and will bring you into your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and all of your idols. Now notice this. And I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone. And I will give you a heart of flesh. I will place my spirit within you. And cause you. Not make you. Not, not, not take away your choice. But cause you to follow my statutes and to carefully observe my ordinances. In other words, his spirit gets inside of you. And all of a sudden, your, what you like and what you care about changes. You no longer care about what the world has to say. You no longer care about this, that, and the other. But the only thing you care about is what lifts up and exalts the name of the Lord God Almighty in your life. He will cause you to follow my statutes. You won't have to sit around and debate whether or not you should do this. 
or not do that. You won't have to sit around and debate whether or not you should go a particular direction or the other direction. No, the scripture says the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. Amen. When you start walking with the Lord and you have that spirit of God in you and he has written his law upon your heart, it just naturally begins to manifest in your life. Amen. Amen. So the approach is very important. But then secondly, we have to learn how to absorb the word of God. Now, when he talks in 22 verses 22 through 25, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. But when he looks at himself and goes away, immediately forgets what kind of man that he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, that person will be blessed in what he does. Now, the language here is illustrating a couple of things. First of all, he's talking about stooping down to look more closely at something. It's like my daughter-in-law, Elizabeth. She loves worms. She loves caterpillars. I, mean, I don't know what to tell you. She's from Alabama. That's all I can say. They come over to our house from time to time in the summertime, and we're sitting out on the deck. Caterpillar will walk by, and Liz will get down out of her chair, pick that caterpillar up in her hand, just let it crawl over her, and it'll crawl up her arm, and, and she just gets real close. and she, She's intrigued by the caterpillar. She loves it. Now, I, I like caterpillars, but I like to put them on the end of a hook and go fishing. You know what I'm saying? And she'll just look at that thing. She's intrigued by it because she's, she's looking intently, intently and seeing the beauty of the caterpillar. But there's another thing that he's saying here, and, it, and, and what he's saying is, is to look at the Word of God with penetrating absorption. With penetrating absorption. Now, I brought a sponge with me today, and I don't know, they, they make these newfangled ones now that they, they're not like the old ones, but when I was a kid growing up, sponges were hard. I mean, you could take a sponge and throw it at somebody, hit them in the head, and they'd say, hey, what are you doing? Why'd you do that? Because they were hard. And you could take one of those sponges out of the bag, and you could go over to where there was some water, and you could just put that sponge on top of the water. And the sponge would not sink. The sponge would just float on the top of that water. And it was designed to absorb, it was designed to clean, it was designed to be soft so that it could be useful, but a sponge never reaches its full capacity for good until somebody pushes it down into the water. It has to be immersed in the water. But when the sponge is immersed into the water, 
It is designed to receive that life-giving, anointing, freeing water into the sponge. And you can take the sponge out of the water and it becomes useful. It is no good at all for any purpose or to anyone until it has been immersed in the water. Let me tell you something. I'm trying to make a point this morning. Some of you just like being a crusty old sponge. You don't care that you're not useful. You don't care that you haven't been immersed in the Word. You don't care that you don't know everything that you need to know. You're like the old Brill Cream ads of old. Just a little dab will do you. I'll just float on the top of this water until Jesus comes back. As long as I'm saved, that's all that matters. I don't have to be immersed. Man, I wish, Pastor Danny, I wish that I could somehow find a way to get people to understand that your life can be so much better than it is today if you will just immerse yourself in the Spirit of God and in the Word of God and let Him bring out the the abilities and the capabilities that you were created for. But you just can't float on the water. When I was thinking about that, the Spirit of the Lord said, just think how many people, they're in the right environment, they're in the water. But they're not immersed in it. Oh, they know how to go to church. They know how to be religious. They know how to sing all the songs. Amazing grace, how sweet They know all the religious activity. They know what the church's schedule is. They know when morning worship starts so that they can get there 15 minutes late. They know when Wednesday night Bible study is. They know all the religious stuff, but they're absolutely satisfied to just float in the environment as long as they don't have to be immersed in the spirit of the living God. Stop screaming, Pastor. Sounds like you're mad at everybody. I'm not mad at anybody, but I'd, if I could just somehow get you to see that you're floating in the water, you're just floating along. There's so much more that God has for you. There's so much more anointing that he wants to pour through you. There's so much more that he wants you to do. There's a higher place for you to walk and live in him. But before you can achieve it, you're going to have to be pushed in so that you can absorb the word of the living God and the spirit of God. Your prayer ought to not be, Lord, help me to be comfortable and help me to be blessed. But your prayer ought to be, Lord, dunk me into the spirit. Take me down deep, Lord God. Help me dive deep because that's where I'm going to obtain and absorb all that you have for me. Be a sponge. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That that is being immersed. It's being saturated in him. He's saying let every pore 
of your being be in him and for him. So how do you do that? Well, aren't you glad God always tells us what we need to know? He goes on and he says, these words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. <laughs> I'm a sponge. Not really concerned about what you think of me. I'm a sponge. Oh, really? Well, what are you absorbing? I'm glad you asked. I am, I am submersing myself in the things of God so that everything he is, I can be. That's what he's saying. Put it on your, he said, put it on your head so that people will know. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And a couple of chapters later, he gets anointed and starts talking about it again. He says, when you eat and are full, you will praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, the ordinances and the statutes that I'm giving you today when you eat and are full and when you build beautiful houses to live in and, in, and your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and your gold multiply and everything else that you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint-like rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers had not known in order to humble and test you. So that in the end, in the end, in the end, that he might cause you to prosper. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. And that's what I've been wanting to hear, Pastor. I've been wanting to hear that. In fact, I've been thinking about going to one of them prosperity churches. They talking about money all the time. They ain't asking me to give it. They want to give it to me. Amen. That's what we want to hear. Bless me, bless me, bless me. He'll bless you. But there's a reason that he'll bless you. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth in order to confirm his covenant. See, God will bless you so that he can say and then you can say, see, I told you so. 
I told you so. It, yeah, it was tough there for a little while. Yes, we didn't know if we were going to make it through. But we remained faithful to the covenant. We stayed married to the God of the word. We stayed married to his word. We stayed married to his commands. We stayed married to his covenant. And when it was all said and done, he prospered us so that he could say, I kept my covenant with my people. Some of you got to learn to start, stop flirting with God. Stop flirting. I'm amazed at the number of people in Pentecostal churches that feel this unction. I mean, they feel something. And so because they feel something, they make a vow to the Lord. And then six weeks later, when the feeling's gone, they can't remember the vow that that they made. You know this. When I first came here, we accepted the opportunity to come and meet with you when Don and I were driving down the, the highway in the car and Keith Ivester called and I got him on speakerphone and he's telling me everything bad he can tell me. He said, I don't want you going there thinking it's going to be fun because it ain't going to be fun. He said, it will be hard. He said, in fact, I don't recommend that you take it. I look over at my wife and she... <laughs> I said, this is it, right? She said, oh, yeah. This, this is it. And we walked into covenant with you and we walked into covenant with God. And there have been times that would have been real easy for me to want to change the covenant. Not because I don't love you, because I love you. In fact, I told someone yesterday, we had a funeral here for, for Regina Bills, who, 91 years old, used to attend the Oklahoma Church of God and, and, and was here for many, many years. And we got to talking about Pastor Richard Ushery, and he was here for a long time. And, and Pastor Jerry Noel, who did the funeral yesterday, he was here for 13 years, he told me. And I looked at him, I said, Jerry, I hate to tell you this, but I intend to beat your 13 years. I said, I'm already halfway there. And he, he looked at me and he said, I hope you do. He said, you know what, Pastor? He said, I hear a lot of stuff in the hallways and out in the parking lot. He said, I haven't heard not one bad thing said about you in all the time I've been here. I said to him, you ain't been listening hard enough, son. But here's what I'm trying to say to you. Yes, the going will get tough in the world. You shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Remain in covenant with him. So the question then becomes, do we value Scripture? How do we value Scripture? You know, I learned a few years ago that one of the best ways for me to value Scripture is to spend time reading it. You know, there's really no excuse for people not to be immersed in the Word of God these days. 
Back in Bible days, all they had was the, the scrolls. They, they had to go and have somebody read them to them. They, they couldn't go down to the local bi uh, library and, and get the old King James Version. I know some of you feel like shouting when I say King James Version. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We need more churches that are King James Version. They couldn't go down to the library and get a King James Version. They couldn't go down to the bookstore and buy an NIV or an ESV or, 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 or one of those Cliff Notes versions where you don't really have to read the whole thing. It just kind of summarizes it all. They didn't have that. But today we've got so many ways that we can absorb the Word of God. I mean, even on our church app, and this is not a commercial for the church app, but if you want to read the Bible through in a year, there's a plan on there for you to do that. All you've got to do is do it. And you say, I don't like to read. I can't read. Well, then push play. It'll read it to you. And it'll begin by saying, relax now as I begin to read the word of God to you. No, it won't. It won't do that. But it will read to you. There's just no excuse. I'm telling you, you need to memorize some key scriptures. You need to identify the scriptures that talk about your finances. So when the, the enemy tries to steal your finances, you can say, oh, no, no, no. No, wait, devil. The Bible says this about my finances. When you go to the doctor and get a report and you get all bent out of shape, you need to know what the Word of God has to say about healing. You need to know what the Word says about relationships and restoration. You need to know what the Bible has to say about love and, and, and fellowship. And you need to be able to bring it up at any moment. I know what some of you are thinking. Siri... I need to know what the Bible says about loving my neighbor. Hey, you, you know, you could do that. I've got my Wi-Fi shut off, so Siri's just looking at me like, you're an idiot. <laughs> but look, there may come a day when you don't have access to Siri. Or you can't say, Alexa, read me my scripture for the day. There may come a time when you're out there in the real word world and you've got to pull it up out of your spirit and let it flow up out of you. You say, well, I'm not any good at memorizing stuff. Really? I bet you know who's on the reality TV shows this week. Now, I promised myself I'd be real careful right here. We know what our reality TV shows are. We know who got pushed off of the, 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 the dancing with the stars. And don't you love that show? That's good stuff right there. <laughs> Living the vida loca. We know all that junk. Who won the, the basketball game? Who won the football game? I've got some friends that all I have to do is ask them. 
And they won't just give me the score. They'll say, and this one had this, and his box score looked like this. Had 14 rebounds and three points and 16 assists and, and four fouls, and, and, he, and he played two games. We, and we know what the box score says without even having to reference it. But what does John 3.16 say? Uh, see, what we prioritize in our lives is what will be there in our spirit. Listen, there's nothing wrong with watching a ball game. Thank God I live in Louisville, Kentucky, where if I want to root for UK, I can. And if I want to root for U of L, I can. And you can't do a thing about it. I've had some of you say, well, you've been here long enough now. You've got to make a choice. No, I don't. I'm not from here. If I want to root UK on, you can't keep me from doing it. And if I want to root you a bell on, you can't stop that either. You say, yeah, but who do you really like? <laughs> Why does it matter? Basketball's basketball. Good games are good games. Good plays are good plays. But when the going gets tough, and when the enemy comes after me and wants to destroy my soul... He's not going to care if I know the word of God or not because he'll know I don't have anything to fight him with unless I have the word of God hidden in my heart. Somebody say amen today. Praise the Lord. Come help me quit if you will. I know I disrespected you earlier with that 38 years. I ask you to forgive me later, all right? Now, I've asked the Lord to help me be real careful here on this last point. The approach is important. What we absorb is important. But the last thing is we simply have to act on the Word of God. It's like Nike said. Just do it. It's Nike, right? Tell you how dumb I am. So let me ask you a question. Have you really absorbed the Word of God? Have you? Is it in you? Because Scripture tells us if you have not absorbed the Word, then you won't know how to obey the Word. Notice 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. The one who says, I have come to know him, yet doesn't keep his commands get your seatbelt put it on this is not your pastor talking all I'm doing is reading the Bible today is that okay the one who says I have come to know him but does not keep his commands is a oh my Jesus And the truth is not in him. You say you're serving the Lord and that you've come to Christ, but you're making no effort whatsoever to do what his word says. The Bible, the Bible, the word of God calls you a liar. But don't you love the buts in the word of God? Amen. 
I love buts. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is perfected. And this is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Aren't you glad there's only one verse of scripture that talks like that? Wrong. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 through 27. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the sensible man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded the house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell. The rivers rose. The winds blew. Pounded the house. And it collapsed. And its collapse was great. Stand me with me if you will. See, we've just, we've just created this Christianity that is just so so easy just so acceptable to anyone and anybody and it, it, it's like the modern day athletic programs where you came in dead last place come up here and get your participation trophy so you can go home and show your mommy and daddy and they can be how so proud of what a loser that you are. I'm trying to be nice. I really am. But listen, listen. Your world, if it is collapsing around you, can I ask you, have you built your life up on the solid rock of God's word? Because if I read my Bible right, it says that if you build your life on the solid rock, who is Jesus Christ, then when the storms come and the winds blow and everybody else is collapsing, you will stand knowing that God is on your side. And if God is for you, who can be against you? I want you to start singing it, if you will, and going to ask everybody here, if you will, come down, meet me up front. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to dismiss. Come on down if you can. sweet to trust in Jesus.